Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Spin Move Podcast. I'm your host, Paulo, and Nathan's back. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Good to, uh, t- uh, to be talking here again. It's been a while, um, but I'm excited to, uh, to get talking with some sports. Um, been, on, been on a little few things lately. I had to take care of a lot of things this past month, but I'm excited to uh, be back, guys. And unfortunately, Samir couldn't join us due to work, but that's okay. Nathan and I have a big show to talk this week. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the World Series between the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros. That is heating up. At, uh, Nationals started out 2-0, to zero, and then Astros won three straight. Yep. And the game is going on right now, which I am going to check on that after this podcast. And we're going to be talking NFL with NFL trades because the NFL trade deadline was today. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do NFL recaps and, and previews. Although we're going to do the recaps a little bit different than what we normally do today. Uh, same thing goes with college football. And then we're going to get to the NBA, talk about what's going on in the NBA. I didn't get to do NBA previews last time because uh, – Due to time constraints, now that Nathan's here with me, uh, we're going to do NBA previews uh, for the Eastern Conference and for the Western Conference. By the way, the um, just an update for the score: the Houston Astros are up two-one at the bottom of the first. So, just an update on that World Series score. Thank you for that update, Nathan. I want to say to everyone who's listening to this podcast, thank you for taking your time to listen. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Yeah. You can find us. Um, Spotify, Apple, um, you can find us. But if you Google us, we're under the Spin Move Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter. Um, our Twitter handle is the Spin Move Podcast. Um, but if you Google our name, you'll find us there with um, several links to um, different podcast um, areas. Um, you can also subscribe to us on those, on those different podcast formats. Um, and you can also comment and uh, let us know about our podcast, let us know how we can improve, um, and just, um, yeah, get a conversation started with us um, on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, we'd love to talk with you guys about sports. And now with that out of the way, let's talk about the World Series. So as I mentioned before, uh, the Nationals led the series 2-0, to zero, and then from then on, it's been all Astros and Game 3, 4, and 5. Game 6 is going on. Right now, um, and and you know where I'm going to predict. I'm predicting the Nationals winning. At first, here's my original thought. I didn't get to make this preview for the World Series because at the time I did the episode uh, by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nationals already got to the World Series, but um, who they were facing hadn't been decided yet. It was between right. the Astros and the Yankees. That series had not finished yet. Mm-hmm. But obviously the Houston Astros won, which I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, I was gonna, so I was going to say, and it may ring true, here's the thing, I want the Nationals to win, but I predicted um, privately that it was going to be Astros and Six, mm-hmm. and it could happen. happen, yeah. Again, I'm, hopefully I'm wrong, but I know, you've been, I know you've been busy, Nathan, but when you first saw that it was going to be Washington versus Houston, what was your immediate thought, who was going to win? Well, it, it was kind of difficult because Houston has um, – they're very um, high-powered offensively. Um, but the Nationals have um, been known for their good starting pitching with Max Scherzer, uh, Steven Strasburg, um, and several other guys. So I was kind of – I always believe in – especially during October times in pitching. Um, so I felt like the strength um, of the Nationals pitching would carry them um, past the, the Astros. And it seemed so through the first two games, but – their offense has hit a complete rut throughout the past three games, was scoring a combined three points in the past three games. They really hit that rut um, offensively. And then with Max Scherzer going out, um, obviously with the injury um, affecting him not being there the last game, um, that, that had a big um, deal with, with um, not winning game five as well. Um, so all those things kind of added towards the Nationals being where they're at now. But my initial thought would be the Nationals actually win um, in seven. That's That was my original thought. But the Astros are making a huge play on that. Um, and they're looking pretty good right now, mm-hmm. I must say. Because 
if everyone uh, remembers, the Astros were in the World Series right. two years ago. They've been here. Yes, and as I mentioned when we were talking about the Washington Mystics, mm -hmm. at least with Samir and I, is that the Mystics were in the finals last year and didn't make it. Right. When they were going to be in the finals again, my thought was they are not letting this game get away from mm -hmm. them like last time. So that's what I was thinking about the Astros. Now, in game one, Max Scherzer was pitching. Yeah. And he was the oldest uh, World Series game one starter since 2011. I forgot who was wow. the other one. <laughs> the biggest highlight of that game was the, the Nationals were hitting homers against a pitcher that the Astros have in Garrett Cole, yeah. who, if I remember correctly, hadn't allowed runs in a loss since May. He, wow. did, he didn't have... I, I'm going to have to rephrase that, but I remember that he did not allow so many runs since May in games that he pitches. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the, the Nationals hit a lot of runs. Yeah, five earned runs um, by Garrett Cole alone. They had him out there for seven innings, which is a surprise. That's the majority of, of the game. Yeah, so that was the that was the highlight for game one. And then for game two... The Nationals, Nationals blew up offensively. Oh, they, yeah. They went off. It started 2-2 two to two, uh, in the first inning. 2-2 two, two in the first inning. Mm -hmm. And then the Nationals, like around the seventh, on the seventh inning, they went off. The yeah. six runs. And then at the eighth inning, is three. And then the ninth inning, in the ninth inning, they both both teams scored one. So. Yeah, Asdrubo Cabrera had three um, RBIs. Um, several players had two RBIs. Adam Eaton did. Anthony Brandon also had two RBIs. Um, most guys had two hits or, you know, what, at least one or two hits um, throughout the game. Then, obviously, Steven Strasburg, their ace, only two on runs, seven hits, which is quite a few, but seven strikeouts. Decent, a good, decent game overall. Um, and then guys came out from the bullpen and, and really finished out the game. Uh, and Fernando Rodney, Tanner Rainey, uh, Jay Guerra. But, um, yeah, just a great a great game, offensive game overall, and pitching um, from the Nationals. And Honestly, at this point, I really thought the Nationals had the stranglehold on, the, on, this, on this series. And, man, <laughs> we'll go into what happens after that. Oh, definitely. And uh, game, after that, game three, Astros were making sure they didn't uh, get embarrassed like that again. Yep. So that's when they, they, went, they won 4-1. to one against uh, the Nationals in Game 3, and then winning 8-1 to one, mm -hmm. uh, in Game 4, returning the favor that the Nationals handed to them in Game 2. Yep. All I know is that the Nationals, at least for Game 1, it was Max Scherzer starting at pitching. Then in Game 2, it was Strasburg. And then yep. in Game 3, I think it was Annabelle Sanchez. And then Game 4 was Patrick Corbin. Yep. And Patrick Corman did not look good. No. <laughs> and then game five, it was supposed to be Max Scherzer. Right. But then minutes before the game, uh, you, Samir, and I, along with uh, Matt. We were watching the game at first, the Patriots-Browns game. And on another TV um, on uh, right next to us in that room, um, actually came across the screen. I think you pointed out, Paolo, that... Max Scherzer would be out. And I, yeah. we were kind of like, okay, does that really mean he's out of the game? Like, yeah. what happened? You guys didn't believe me. I said, no, I, he's yeah, out. Like, and what? then uh, Samir was like, no, nah, that means he's just out, you know, out on the field. He'll play. Right. He was like, no, he's out. He's out. <laughs> they said he's out <laughs> for game five. He's not playing. Right. That and then crazy. it took you guys a while for you guys to sink that in. And I think um, in, in place of uh, – Max Scherzer, it Joe was Ross. Joe Ross, which yeah. of course that wasn't a good no. uh, decision <laughs> because he ended up um, in only five innings pitch, five hits, four earned runs, only one strikeout. Um, he he had a, a very poor outing. Uh, guys were guys were hitting left and right off of him, um, and it was clear that he needed to leave um, uh -huh. pretty soon because it was getting pretty crazy uh, pretty quickly. And of course. Uh, of course, the Astros won seven to one. They're yep. the game is back in Houston. I don't even know who's pitching for the Nationals. Oh, yeah, it's Steven Strasburg. But should it go to a game seven? I think that's when Max Scherzer will play. Yes. Now it's neck and back spasm, so that's going to be a little uh, difficult. Oof. You but, gotta hope the best for him because that's 
neck and back spasms for a pitcher. Obviously, everybody knows about the pitching, and, and when you're throwing, that's all back. Mm -hmm. It's now, all near your neck and all your arms. Now, before we move on, we also I would also need to point out that umpiring wasn't um, good the yeah. last few games. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of questionable calls when it comes to the umpires. Yeah. But even if you lose, um, you shouldn't blame them solely for the loss. It's true. Um, so before we move on, you think it's Nationals in seven? I would uh, like that was yeah, that was my prediction before yeah. um, before the series. Um, I'll still hold true to that. I do I do think they can uh, they can rally behind uh, Steven Strasburg and get this win. So I'll also say Nationals in seven. Uh, I would like to agree with you, and I would think Nationals in seven, but um, but for now, I'm going to have to go with Astros. Astros, okay. Yeah. That's a solid pick, too, because the Astros have great um, offensive game. Right? Yeah. George Springer, Jose Altuve. Uh, Altuve Altuve's, Altuve's the key threat there. Uh, he's fantastic offensively and defensively. Um, he's the heart of their team. Michael and, Brantley, but also yeah. I watch out for Yuli Gurel. Yeah, Yuli Gurel, he's, he's pretty good, too. Um, in fact, uh, Springer and and Bregman both um, solo home homered on 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 these two runs. Um, so it tells you the impact that they have on the team. So um, yeah, I mean, the, these this is a really good team. Um, it's no it's nothing to sniff at. So um, yeah, it's definitely possible. It's definitely more than possible that they could win. So the reason I'm picking Astros also is what I said earlier. The Astros were in the World Series two years ago. Right. It's really they hard to get, and yeah. they have the experience. It's really hard to get back to a championship game. Super Bowl, NBA Finals, yes. World Series, Stanley Cup. Yep. In NFL, you can ask Dan Marino. You've only been to a Super Bowl once, Marino and that's once. it. So <laughs> It's not easy. I think now that the Astros are in this World Series, they have a chance to win the series and win their first ever World Series. The winner of this series is going to be champions for the first time. Yeah. I would like it to be Nationals because this would, this would be great. You know, in a year where both the Mystics and Nationals will win. That would be cool. It would be cool. Yeah. Um, but even if the Nationals don't win, uh, they had a great season. Because it was about to, it was going to start yeah. terrible. I was not, you you guys remember my predictions at the beginning of the season. I was not, I was predicting that the Nats, um, I, I, I thought they were too young, honestly. I didn't think they were ready for all of this. But they have shown that. Um, they've grown very quickly within this season. They have shown leaps and bounds what I thought they would be for this season. I thought they would be more like this next season um, as they get, kind of get some time to grow. But they they have impressed. And it goes to show that in baseball, young players tend to play a lot better than when you compare that to basketball and football. The, the, in terms of the turnaround and the learning curve, it seems to be shorter, at least from what I've seen um, thus far. But Nationals have impressed. That's for sure. Yep. So, I think, like I said, the Astros are not, now that they're back in the World Series, they're not going to want to let this uh, series get away from them. Right. Like what happened to them last time. Exactly. So, that's what I think Astros will win in seven. Original thought was Astros in six. Now I think it's going to be in seven, mm. but I do want the Nationals to win. But I have to also be fair on what I'm seeing here. Yeah. And it looks like that the Astros. Uh, may have the edge on that. Yeah. So that is it for our talk on the World Series. And now we're going to move on to NFL because a lot of trades have happened during the uh, trade deadline. The Rams traded uh, their corner, Aki Tlaib, to the Miami Dolphins for a fifth, a third and a fifth? Yeah, I believe it was yeah. a third and a fifth. There's a couple of trades that have been happening in the past couple of weeks, but um, the other trade that happened today... Um, I think it was a smaller trade. Well, as uh, Nathan's looking, um, this is what the NFL trades have been so far this season. Um, because a lot of trades have happened during, I think it was the last few days. You had Leonard Williams being traded from the New York Jets uh, to the New York Giants for a third and a fifth. Kenyon Drake, now former Miami Dolphin running back, he didn't travel to Pittsburgh because it was already reported that the Miami Dolphins already had a deal in place to trade him. Right. And it was learned that it was going to be the Arizona Cardinals for a conditional a six-round pick in 2020 that could turn into a fifth-round pick. Yeah. I can understand why they make that trade because uh, they're injured at running back right now with David Johnson, and they now lost Chase Edmonds. And then you had Jannard Avery, I think it was a linebacker defensive end, 
he got, I think it was from the Browns, he got traded to the Eagles for a fourth in 2021. Mm-hmm. And then Mohamed Sanu was traded to the New England Patriots yeah. for a second round pick. I'm kind of stunned by that because I thought it was like a third or fourth. The Denver Broncos traded Emmanuel Sanders in a fifth round pick to the San Francisco 49ers for a third and a fourth round pick. Then you had Gary and Conley, the starting corner for the Oakland Raiders, traded to the Houston Texans for a third. And he played against his former team mm-hmm. uh, this past Sunday. The Lions traded Quandre Diggs, their starting safety, and a seventh round pick to the Seattle Seahawks for a fifth round pick. So that's all the trades that happened. Your thoughts on all the trades? Yeah, I think um, a lot of these can have an immediate impact. Leonard Williams, I think, is going to have a big impact for the Giants' defense. Whenever you can get quality defensive linemen, um, that's huge. And then, obviously, um, Jalen Ramsey and Marcus Peters, both corners that they need um, um, on the outside there just to fortify that defense. Um, Jalen Ramsey is probably the best corner in the NFL right now. Marcus Peters is a turnover machine when he's healthy and when he's um, in the right system. And the Ravens were decimated as secondary. Yes, they were. They were in a lot of trouble. So that, it, it, it makes a lot of sense for them to get Marcus Peters. And then I really like the moves, Mohamed Sanu and Emmanuel Sanders for contenders like the Patriots and the 49ers. That's going to do a lot of good for them going forward because those are receivers that can do well just pretty much everywhere on the field. Sure-handed um, guys, guys who make good plays. Um, I, I really like those moves for those two teams. So big trades. I think all these trades make sense um, for each each of the teams. Um, and yeah, and there was also plenty of rumors. So there was Trent Williams rumors about him possibly being traded. Um, there's been rumors since the offseason about well, that. Well, that, that wasn't going to happen. I think it was just Bruce Allen and um, Dan Snyder thinking, oh, we tried. But it was reported by Diana Rossini on ESPN who – did cover the team uh, locally years ago. I think she was in an NBC4 News. So she reported that the teams weren't going to call for the Redskins because their thinking was they wouldn't listen to trade offers for a month. Right. So now that they're trying, the quote is, we do not want to bail them out. Right. Since then, Troy Williams has reported back to the Redskins, but... You don't know if he's going to play or not. And there was a report saying that even though he has reported, he has no intention of playing this season. Yeah. Um, they've made the wrong move. I mean, this was just more of they didn't like uh, the fact that Trent Williams um, didn't want to be there anymore. He, he had he's issues. He's made that clear now. He's made that clear. He's had issues with the medical staff. It was all about, you know, Bruce Allen just wants to win that battle. Right. And they're saying, look, if we're going to trade him, we're going to do it in January. Mm-hmm. They could have traded him earlier. The Browns wanted him. John Dorsey said, I've been trying to talk to Bruce to trade Trent Williams, and he wouldn't budge. (laughs) New England offered a first round to Washington for Trent Williams and turned it down, although there's been, like, counter-reports since then, so you don't know if that's true. But, I mean, you saw Laramie Tunsil got traded for two first-round picks. So you're telling me you couldn't find a better offer this season? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that – I think people are afraid of in terms of offering, t- you know, a first round pick or even two first round picks for Trent Williams. Is he's he's older and he mm-hmm. is coming off of multiple injuries. It wouldn't make as much sense. Larry Tunsil was young. He's very healthy. Um, there's really nothing wrong with him. So it makes sense to trade, you know, first or even two first rounds for a, you know, a Pro Bowl left tackle. But with somebody like Trent Williams, a late first, early second makes sense to me. But it also goes with the Redskins. Uh, I can't remember if it was John Dorsey or somebody uh, anonymously saying, uh, when you're talking to Washington, you're not a deal right. like a regular NFL team. This is true. This and is true. There's some players that don't want to be there, mostly because they don't trust the front office. Right. So I would like to think that at some point, Dan Snyder is going to have to part ways with Bruce Allen because this is not working. Because they're thinking in their mind, at least from like – what local reporters are thinking. They're thinking that they have a chance to make a second-year turnaround because they think they're close. I'm I'll like, believe that when I see it. I'll believe when I see it. First of all, yeah, they won against the Miami Dolphins by one point. They were right. about to lose that game. Yeah, so okay. you're, you're not close. You're not close. <laughs> they, and the, well, I, I will say this. I, I've said this about the Redskins. That I do believe that they have a lot of talent on defense. But right now what the Redskins are dealing with is a front office issue. They've been dealing with a front office issue for the past few years. And it looks like they overdrafted for a quarterback. They overdrafted for a quarterback. 
And I'll, well, I, I will see with Dwayne Haskins because I like Dwayne Haskins. I think he has a lot of talent. Um, and I think he, when put in the right situation, can develop. The only thing is the Redskins have to get the right situation together. They they need to get their house, you know, taken care of because right now there's a lot of issues. And, you know, it's, it's coming out through their play. So There was also rumors about Ryan Kerrigan being traded, but the Redskins were asking for a high price. They weren't going to trade him. Although he could bring some assets if dealt. There was rumors that the Redskins were actively calling teams it, to see if they can trade away Josh Norman. You're not going to trade away Josh yeah, Norman. Nobody, nobody wants him like that at this yeah. point. <laughs> so we'll see where the Redskins move, uh, go from here. All I can say is uh, they're not going to be good, but I'm not giving up on Dwayne Haskins. He played in the Minnesota game. Mm, which is a very, very yeah. difficult team. Well, because Case Keenum, <laughs> he'll be playing the second half because Case Keenum went to concussion protocol. Yeah. He didn't play well. He's struggling uh, to uh, call the plays, which, yeah. of course, NFL, it's really difficult. It is. But I am sick of hearing all these people ready to call him a bus. It's his second game yeah. off the bench, all right? And he only He's played one game. He's playing against the Minnesota Vikings. Like, I mean, the Minnesota Vikings are one of the top defenses in the NFL. Like, they... They have top guys, Xavier Rhodes, um, Anthony Barr. I mean, you name it. They they have Harrison Smith. They're loaded. There's, I mean, come on. What do you expect of a, of a first-year player? It's the guy's rookie year. Yeah. You're not really going to call him a bus after two games coming off the bench. He needs time. Yeah, really a big overreaction. He needs time to learn the playbook. He needs time to get experience. Right. He needs to be on the field. I do agree yes, with that. But at the same time, you need to get this guy ready. Right. I want him to be in the best position to succeed. And the coaches need to help him with that. Bill Callahan has to help. Uh, offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell, who's now the play caller, mm -hmm. he has to help with that. Um, at least, but what I'm liking is at least they're, they're yeah. preparing him to play. Right. Um, they're just not ready to rush him in. Now, one thing I want to say about Bill Callahan Committed to the run. And he's committed to the run. I'm glad about that. And I, the defense is playing better. Yes. I like that. One thing I'm sick about Bill Callahan, you made your point that you can't get along with Jake Gruden. You're still added three weeks later. Enough of that. No more calling out Jake Gruden. Yeah. That time is that time is gone. All right? You need to focus on your team and on the guys that are here instead of the ones that are not here. Right. You now have your opportunity. And reportedly, he could be a candidate for the head coaching job, which I don't, I don't think it will happen. Kevin O'Connell's an option, and we'll see other options. And this is weeks ago. For those, for, for all the rumors saying Redskins are going to get Mike Tomlin, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> I don't see that happening. I don't know why Mike Tomlin would leave his situation for the Redskins. Why would he leave an organization owned by the Roonies, right. terrific owners? For a dysfunctional owner. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> That's enough said. Now, we were talking about the trade deadline, then we quickly moved to the Redskins. So, uh, Got your Redskins talk yep, for today. Yep, there's your Redskins talk for today. <laughs> so that's it for your NFL trade deadline uh, talks. Uh, now we're going to get to NFL previews. Normally we do like NFL recaps under five minutes, but we're going to do it a little bit different here for time constraints. Nathan... Which game surprised you the most, and which one um, disappointed you? Um, well, for different reasons. I think the one that surprised me most um, was probably the 49ers versus Panthers. And that, that was pretty shocking because I, I wasn't expecting the Panthers um, to get beat down quite like that, um, especially for the 49ers. The 49ers have been great offensively, um, but for them to have this 51-point explosion – um, was pretty impressive. Um, I think George, um, George Kittle had a pretty big day. Um, Tim Coleman had a huge day on the ground, 105 yards, three touchdowns. Um, George Kittle had 86 yards catching. Drew Garoppolo hasn't been amazing. I mean, he's been like a managing quarterback. That's basically what he's done. They've run the ball. That's what they've done. That's been their formula. And uh, they really whooped up on the Panthers. And um, I mean, Kyle Allen threw three interceptions. Um, it was a pretty tough day for the Panthers, so that was my most surprising game. And then my most disappointing game was the Eagles beating up on the Bills. I expected the Bills to come, you know, come and, and pretty be, pretty much beat up on the Eagles, especially in their hometown. But 
The Eagles had a pretty good game, again, on the ground. Miles Sanders had a good game. Jordan Howard had a good game as well. Three touchdowns on the ground. Um, overall, uh, Carson Wentz didn't turn the ball over. Um, he kept it He kept it pretty well um, for the most part, and they also got to the quarterback. They had four sacks on the day. Um, so they, they did their job um, against the Bills, and unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that would probably be my most disappointing game. A game that uh, did surprise me would be the Packers-Chiefs game. Mm. And the reason I say that is because uh, Patrick Mahomes is injured. You have Matt Moore as the starting quarterback. Yes, he's at home, but you're facing against the Packers defense that has now have a great pass rushers like they didn't have last year. But they were also were dealing with injuries. They lost Arnold Savage um, to injury. He'll be back soon. I didn't think Matt Moore can uh, run the offense well, but after a week of preparation, Matt Moore started and he commanded the offense very well. He had the offense scoring 24 points against the Packers defense. That's impressive. That's pretty good. It's really impressive. That surprised me and in a good way. Uh, what disappointed me the most, I would have to say the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, because uh, they are pl- they lost to a good team in the Seattle Seahawks, but they are heading towards a downward spiral. They are now quickly. Yep. They are now one and seven. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They are now one Who and. Predicted s- that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't think they would be this bad. Yeah, I didn't think. It would be- I mean, I, they lost Keanu Neal to mm-hmm. an Achilles tear, so their secondary has uh, diminished. But offense, they got rid of Steve Sarkeesian, and they have a former Bucks head coach, Dirk Cutter. So I thought the offense would play a little bit better. Uh, Matt Ryan got hurt, so in came Matt Schaub. Now, Matt Schaub did impress me. He threw for 460 yards right. and a touchdown, but an interception. Atlanta's 1-7. They should have been in the running for the NFC South title because the Panthers, um, even though they're in the thick of things, I think they're not going to be no. a playoff team this year. And then the Bucks, the Bucks have a chance to turn around, but yeah. they're not, they, when have they been in the playoffs? Like yeah. 2009? It's been a long time. So normally, even if they do well, the Bucks uh, go down. Because they, they haven't had a good defense yeah. in a while. I thought the Falcons were going to improve, but man, are they falling off the rails. And Dan Quinn's job could be in jeopardy. So that's my disappointment. All right. Fighting for the number one spot. <laughs> uh, don't do that to the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> yes, yes, and the Redskins too. They're one and seven. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Now we're gonna get to NFL previews. We're also we're gonna do what we normally do, which is a dark horse game of the week. We're not going to uh, look at the primetime games like 49ers Cardinals because that's a night game. Patriots Ravens Cowboy Giants. The four o'clock games are Lions, Raiders, Buccaneers, Seahawks, Packers, Chargers, Browns, Broncos. So I, Packers, Chargers. I would think so because of the yeah. quarterbacks. So instead of those, excluding those games, which is your dark horse game of the week? And what are your predictions? Um, I'm going to go with Vikings Chiefs. I think the Chiefs impressed me enough last week um, against the, the uh, Packers, which are, pro- or which are one of the top uh, four or five best teams in the NFL. Um, I think they can uh, have a good offensive showing, especially at Arrowhead Stadium. That should be a raucous crowd. Um, defensively, the Vikings are very good, and they've improved every week. Offensively, Kirk Cousins has been um, showing out a lot more than the recent weeks. Um, so, yeah, I think this could be a really good game. I think it could be a high-scoring game. Um, so I'm really curious to see how that will turn out. But, yeah, I think that could be a possible game of the week. Okay, Dark Horse Game of the Week for me. I'm going to have to go with Lions Raiders. These are two teams that are in the thick of the playoff race, and I've been impressed with Detroit. Mm-hmm. They're 3-3-1. Three, three and one. If you In the previous uh, episode of, of the podcast where we were doing NFL previews, you mm-hmm. saw me say that I think they'll go 6-10. and 10. But they're 3-3-1. Three and, three and one. They're impressing me so far. It's not bad. And Oakland... Uh, they're three and four right now, but they they still have a chance to get to the playoffs. Possibly as a wild card. Right, right, most likely. And that was, I did predict Oakland to to get into the wild card. Yeah, especially now that Pat Mahomes is out for the next six weeks. Well, I think he's on uh, week ten, which is mm. next week. Wow. It was originally going to be three weeks, mm. so he could be back as early as this uh, uh, next week. Mm. 
So I think uh, Detroit, uh, Matthew Stafford's playing well. Daryl Bevel, their offensive coordinator that came from the Seahawks, he's got this offense playing very well. Yeah. The weakest part would be the running game. They lost uh, on Johnson. Mm-hmm. And right now I need to see if Ty Johnson, Trey, Trey Carson, I think, yeah. and uh, J.D. McKissick can get the job done. Where Oakland, you have the rookie Josh Jacobs. Exactly. And can Oakland's defense stop uh, Detroit, though? That's the question. Because I think Detroit's defense can get to Derek Carr. But that offensive line has done a great job protecting him. I, I think this could be a high-scoring game. Oh, by the way, did you pick uh, your uh, score for that game? Oh, uh, My score for the Chiefs and Vikings game um, is going to be uh, Kansas City uh, Chiefs 26 to, uh, to 24. Um, I do think the Chiefs will um, get the win at home because it's at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, I think Tyreek Hill is too dangerous on the outside. They've got way too many weapons. Matt Moore obviously is going to be helped out with Sammy Watkins coming back as well. Um, it looks like the Chiefs can probably pull out this win and go need it to stay um, affirmed in that playoff spot in the AFC West. All right, for me, I, this is a tough choice, but I think I'm going to pick. Um, wow, this is tough. It's tough. It really is tough, but I think I'm going to pick uh, Lions. I was going to go with the Raiders at home because I think they'll have trouble um, covering Darren Waller and now Tyrell Williams. I think Detroit's D-line, they're going to make the crucial plays to put their offense in a better position to win. And I think now with the running game possibly uh, not helping, uh, it's going to be a chance for Matthew Stafford to win the game in his hands. And he's got weapons to do it. Marvin Jones, Marvin Hall, right. Kenny Galladay, and Danny Amendola's in emerging in these last few yeah, weeks. Yeah, and they have TJ Hawkinson who, they, who needs to step up. But I think uh, Detroit is going to make the, the crucial plays uh, needed to win the game. So I think Detroit beats Oakland on the road 30 to 27. 30 to 27. All right. It's going to be that high scoring. Now we're going to go to college football, and we didn't do a podcast uh, last week due to um, uh, our schedules being busy. So what we're going to do is just like we did with the NFL, we are going to pick a game that uh, surprised us. Nathan, what game surprised you uh, this past Saturday? I think the game that surprised me most was probably the Michigan um, versus a uh, Notre Dame game. I, I didn't expect Michigan to have this kind of showing against Notre Dame. This is the talent level that I had expected from them at the beginning of the season, and I'm surprised to see that they're, this is happening now. I mean, they, they could have been, in my opinion, this dominant at the beginning of the season, and it's a little bit too late now, even though um, obviously this is a great win for them. Um, they dominated Notre Dame 45-14. Um, obviously, John Harbaugh coached a, a really good game. It seemed like the running game was on point with Hassan Haskins rushing for 149 yards. Um, Zach um, Charbonnet ran, ran for 74 yards. True Wilson, 45. I mean, three touchdowns on the ground. They were running. They were getting everything they wanted on the ground. Um, I mean, they even had a second quarterback come up, come out, and he threw a touchdown. They had three touchdowns passing, um, so it was it was a little disappointing. This at, at the same time, it was surprising and disappointing because Michigan could have had a better year um, overall, but they they're just starting to catch on a little bit too late. <laughs> uh, I would agree, uh, although I, I can't be too surprised because I I'm not impressed with Notre Dame's offense. Their defense is good, but their offense yeah. nothing in their yeah. offense uh, scares me. Uh, Michigan got a much-needed win. For me, I'm going to go Oklahoma-Kansas State because Oklahoma's been on a tear this yeah, season. And was there going to be a game that they could lose? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you think a, a team like Texas or maybe uh, Oklahoma State. But Kansas State? Oh, Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State won in an upset 48-41, to but it wasn't a close game by far. It was a domination. It was like 40 – they scored like 40-plus points to 27, right. Kansas State. I mean, probably if you just looked at the box score, you would think that, that Oklahoma dominated this game. If you look at Jalen Hurts, I mean, he had over 495 yards, both passing and rushing. 
three rushing touchdowns to go along with the passing touchdown, four touchdowns, until he was 19 of 26. You would think that Jalen Hurts would have, I mean, dominated this game because you're looking at the box score, but Kansas State, they had a stranglehold on them the whole game. Yeah, absolutely. The running back uh, ran for 105 yards and a touchdown just off of 13 carries, though. And then the receivers... uh, there's a receiver in Dalton showing. He he had five catches for 68 yards, no touchdown done. Skylar Thompson had a four rush touchdown, which is crazy. Defense also played a part into that because oh, yeah. how can you uh, stop a high-powered offense like Oklahoma? I mean, C.D. Lamb went off. That still wasn't enough for Oklahoma. So Oklahoma uh, suffered an unfortunate loss. Uh, can they still get to the playoff? Yes, but it, now they have an uphill battle. Yeah. So now we're going to get to... Week 10 previews for college football. Nathan and I are going to pick one game due to time constraints. We're going to do a rapid-fire preview where we'll go through a game and we're going to uh, give our thoughts within a minute. First game up is number 8 Georgia against number 6 Florida. Um, In my opinion, I think Georgia wins because even though Florida's playing terrific under uh, Dan Mullen, they're playing... uh, the offense is playing well without their starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Georgia's defense will be the key factor in this game. I think Georgia is Georgia's defense is going to get uh, Florida to commit crucial turnovers, and then Jake Fromm and DeAndre Swift and the whole offense is going to deliver for the win. So I think Georgia is going to win twenty-seven to seventeen. Yeah, I think uh, Florida and oh my goodness. This is really tough. It's not easy. Um, it's a rivalry game. Of course, it's, it's not easy. It's a rivalry um, game, so it's it's going to be huge. Um, if, believe it or not, um, uh, I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna have to go. Oh, uh, it's it's, I, it's tough because Georgia at the beginning of the year was like that was who I thought would possibly um, maybe uh, even compete for you know a national championship. So I, I've always liked their defense and their rushing offense. But because this is at Florida, I think I'm going to go with Florida. I think that hometown um, uh, kind of rivalry kind of thing, um, they're not going to want to lose in their hometown. Yeah, the Swamp is a hostile place to play. It's a very hostile p- place to play. These two, both of these defenses are elite defenses. Um, so usually when it comes down to that, usually I give the hometown crowd um, a little bit of an edge. So I'm going to go with Florida in a very tight um Type matchup. If I had to predict the score, it would be 2019, just like the year. <laughs> and this is a crucial game. They both have one loss. So, loser of this game will most likely be out of the playoff picture. Yep. So, now we're going to get to number nine, Utah, going to Seattle to face Washington. That's a four o'clock game. I'm going to go with the home team in Washington because, as, as much as I like uh, Utah and their offense, Washington is like number one on defense, and and that defense is uh, legit. It's no joke. Even though uh, Washington has three losses uh, in the season, uh, their defense is legit. They can they can they get after the quarterback and they make crucial turnovers. Offensively, they have uh, great weapons. So I think Washington is going to win. I would have to say twenty three to twenty. I don't see Utah losing this game. I think they they lost that first game against USC, and they've kind of recovered from there. Um, and I really do think that this Utah defensive line um, is going to perform the way that everybody believes that um, is it's capable of. They're definitely going to uh, bounce back um, from obviously early season um, issues. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna have a really good game. Um, they rushed for more than 190 yards in seven of their at, their last eight games. Um, Huntley um, has completed 122 of his 167 passes for 1,700 yards and 10 touchdowns, just one interception. So I do think um, that they have the offensive firepower necessary. But it's really this defensive line that I think is going to be um, impressive against Washington. I do think it's going to be a tight game because it is a rivalry. Um, if I had to give a score to it, um, I would say 24-21 um, Utah, or yeah, Utah winning against the Huskies. Um, I, I do see them performing like a top 10 team this week. And I like the fact that we're uh, 
we're having different opinions on these yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. It makes it more interesting. <laughs> it's good. It makes it a little interesting. Yep. It gives a different perspective. So the last game we're going to uh, preview is number seven, Oregon, going to the Coliseum to Ooh. face the USC Trojans. Oh, man. Nathan, do you want to go first on that? Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Obviously, you guys know I'm a USC fan. Same here. So there's a little bit of bias here. But um, it's tough because, obviously, Oregon, uh, they are a top team. Uh, Justin Herbert is a fantastic quarterback. Um, a lot of people um, um, thought he would even have some sort of contention um, in the Heisman race. Um, but he, yeah, he is a fantastic quarterback. This Oregon team is a really good team. Um, but I do think the USC Trojans are that kind of team that kind of perform um, against the top teams. They really like to, to perform against the top teams and spoil the top teams. And I do think they're going to pull out the win. I don't, something's telling me that they're going to pull out the win um, against this Oregon team. Um, it's going to be a tough one again. Um, but just like they did against um, just like they did against Utah, I do think it'll be a close game. I think the, the USC Trojans will pull it out 28-27. Um, to 27. Yes, maybe that's may, mainly the, you know, the USC Trojan fans speaking, but I have to go with the Trojans. I do think they're, they're capable of winning this game. And look, they are capable of winning this game. Yes, I'm a USC uh, Trojan fan too, but they have a, USC has a chance to win this game. Like They have, in my opinion, their number one uh, target in Michael Pittman. He is mm -hmm. emerging as a big playmaker yes, in, that, in that USC offense. And they have a good running game in Bobby Malapai and Marquis Stepp. But I do think Oregon will come with the win here. It's not easy, though. Yeah. It's not going to be, they're not going to run away with this. Yeah. I've been impressed with Keegan Slovis, uh, the freshman running the USC offense. Mm -hmm. And I'm in, I, I've just been impressed with USC's offense uh, and defense in general. Yeah. Uh, but I think Oregon's going to come away with the win. I just think Justin Herbert is going to make the crucial plays yeah. uh, needed to win this game. And uh, I think he has the weapons to do that. Some tough back 12 matches. And also, like I said, Keegan Slovis is a freshman. So I think the defensive coordinator for uh, Oregon is going to dial up some uh, pressure. It's going to dial up some packages to get uh, pressure on a Keaton Slovis and make some mistakes. Yeah. So I think uh, Oregon is going to win. Um, I would have to say 27-24. 27-24. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. A lot of Pac-12 matchups um, that look like they're going to be big yeah. games. So I'm, I'm curious to see how these will come out. Then you know what? I'm going to give an honorable mention to SMU. They're ranked number oh, yeah. 15. That's right. I mean, when was the last not. time? When was the last time you seen them ranked? It's been a long time. <laughs> so they're facing SMU. Yep. Um, no, number 15 SMU. They're going to Memphis to face number 24 ranked Memphis. Yep. I think SMU will go with the win because I, 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 I just like that SMU is having a terrific season so far, and I think. Uh, they're going to continue on with that. I haven't watched much SMU games. I'm going to watch them now, but um, I would think SMU will go out go out with the win on a, on the road against a, a tough Memphis team. Yeah, I could def I could definitely see that. Uh, we're going now to the NBA because it's NBA season right now. It just started, I think, last week. The last episode, I was going to do uh, NBA previews, but I couldn't do it due to time constraints and. Now that I have Nathan with me, like I mentioned before, we're going to do the NBA preview. So first we'll go with the Washington Wizards. I'm impressed with how they're starting so far. Now they have a tough road because they had to start their season against the Mavericks. But they won their second game in Oklahoma City yep. while losing their next game, uh, which was in San Antonio. Once again... The Wizards have been winless in San Antonio since 1999. Mm. But the reason I'm um, talking about the Wizards is because I've been impressed with how their team so far. I'm impressed with their rookie, Rui Hachimura. He scored 14 points the first game. Then he scored 19 points the second game. Then he scored 16 against the Spurs. I'm liking his performance so far, and I'm liking how he is quickly becoming a key piece in that team. Most definitely. I think um, the Wizards have definitely 
um, shown that there is some, that, first of all, they have some good talent on the team um, and that they have, I think they have the opportunity to continue to, um, to grow and get better. But Rui Hachimara has impressed throughout the first couple games that they've played. Um, I really liked him coming out of the draft. I think he's very versatile. Um, he has a lot of upside because I think he's athletic um, and he's long and he's big. Um, so he has the he has the opportunity to continue to grow, um, especially around veterans like Isaiah Thomas um, and um, other guys like uh, Bradley Beal and things like that. He can learn a lot from those guys. Um, I think Thomas Bryant has obviously impressed as well. Um, and there's been a couple of other guys who have impressed, but yeah, for the starting out for the Wizards, it looks pretty. It's looking pretty good from the standpoint of growing. I think that's the biggest thing for the Wizards. How much can they grow? Um, I know the I know the veterans are very impressed with Rui Hachimura. They they really liked his hard um, work ethic. They liked um, what he's brought to the team, um, and I think that's I think that's great when you have um, you know people uh, kind of supporting you know, what, what the cause is and supporting how things are going. Um, I think that's that's what builds for a great um, environment for growth. And I think Rui Hachimara um, has a, a great opportunity to grow here with Washington. And then Bradley Beal started off on a slump, but he scored 25 points in the last game against uh, yeah, the San Antonio Spurs, exactly. albeit a loss. Um, Ishmith was st- is starting a point guard due to John Wall being out with an Achilles tear. Um, Isaiah Thomas played in his first game of the season with yeah. 16 points, but do you think Ishmith can uh, be a key piece in that offense as a starting point guard, or, they, or do the Wizards eventually have to turn that uh, starting uh, position to Isaiah Thomas? Well, I think they're they're in the um, I don't know if you want to call it good, but they're in the kind of uh, situation where they have two point guards that have a very select uh, skill set. So, you know, Isaiah Thomas is a good three-point shooter, um, and he can find guys um, oftentimes, but he's a liability on defense. Ishmith is a very athletic, quick dude, um, can really get his own bucket on the inside, but he's a liability on defense. And they're both undersized point guards. So I think they are in the, um, I guess, the good position where they can interchange these guys. They can see what the matchup is uh, one night and see what what works for the matchup and also see who works together with Bradley Beal and Rui Hachimara because those are the two guys obviously that they're building around for, for upcoming seasons. Um, so I think it's a good opportunity for them to kind of mix and match it up, see what see what everybody um, is most comfortable with. Uh, the Wizards do have some good pieces. They have uh, Davis Burton's. They yeah. have Thomas Bryant. They got some good pickup Burton's from uh, – from San Antonio because he, he's a solid uh, plug-and-play guy. Thomas Bryant, your guy. You yeah. mentioned watch out for him, and the Wizards made it a priority to keep this guy. Screw and I'm glad they did. Uh, Morris Wagner and the mm-hmm. uh, I think it, Isaac Bonga yep. uh, was brought by the Lakers along with another player. And you said that Maurice Wagner can be a key piece. Um, that being said, how do you think the Wizards are going to do this season? I think that uh, they will miss the playoffs. I think it's going to be um, like around 40 wins. Uh, what do you think? I have them around 33 to 35 wins. That's where I have them around. Um, with the potential of being better, I think it really, the key is how fast does Rui Hachimara grow? Uh, how, how well does Isaiah Thomas play throughout the season? Can he stay healthy? Um, and then just seeing how well the role players play together. Because this is a very... If you think about it, this team has gone through a lot of turnover within the past year. Um, so they're all kind of becoming acclimated to each other. Um, so there is going to be, a, obviously, a, some learning curve going on um, through at least the first you know month or two. Um, but I do think that they have the opportunity to um, overachieve, if you will. And it's very possible that they can win over 40 games. Um, but I do have them around 33 to 35 games. Yeah, so the reason I said over 40 because I think they'll overachieve, but I think yeah. what's stopping them from being a playoff team is defense. Yeah. And yeah. because definitely my biggest criticism with them is that they always struggle in rebound. And as a team, especially in the playoffs, you need to rebound more to not only get uh, – second chance points offensively. You also need rebounds defensively, so that way you, when you're on offense, you can get a chance for fast exactly. breaks points. Exactly. And since the Wizards normally struggle with that, 
I think that's defense is going to be uh, an issue with them. But I'm liking what I'm seeing on defense so far. Yeah. Um, I'm liking their performance so far, but we're going to see. Now for the Eastern Conference, we're going to go to the standings. Uh, what we're going to do is name a team that is that is most likely going to do well. Name a team that will do well. Name a dark horse, and then name a team that's going to be disappointing. Nathan, why don't you go first? Which team is going to do great? Which team will be a dark horse? And which team will be uh, disappointing? Um, I think the team that will do well... Um, this is the Eastern or, Conference, by the way. Right, Eastern Conference. Um, that will do well is the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. I think um, they've greatly improved from the last season. I think they've learned from what happened in the playoffs. Um, losing that way to Toronto was heartbreaking to a lot of the guys. Mm -hmm. I think Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are both on a mission. They've improved greatly as a team. Um, and, um, you know, adding guys like Josh Richardson and Al Horford, um, those, are, those are huge key cogs um, in, their, um, in their team this year. So I think that team will do very well. I think it's very possible that you see them in the finals this year. They have that kind of roster, um, and they definitely should be in the Easter Conference Finals this year. There's no doubt um, they're going to be one of the top teams um, in the NBA. And then the team that I think is going to surprise is the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks have um, started out um, the gate on fire, and uh, it's because of uh, Trey Young um, and his impressive play. Unfortunately, he just hurt his ankle. Um, as I'm getting the update here, it looks to be bad. Um, so hopefully the best for, hope the best for him. Um, hopefully it's not too serious. But in terms of the way the Hawks have played, they have played extremely well um, for, the, for the beginning of the season. It looks really good. Um, and um, I do expect to see them, as, as long as Trey Young stays healthy, I expect to see them uh, fight for the playoffs. And then a team that has done poorly, that I expected to do a lot, a lot better this season, was the Bulls. Chicago Bulls started out one and three. Um, I expected them to take a pretty hefty leap. Uh, obviously they drafted the point guard out of North Carolina. Can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now, but um, he's very he's very good. Um, and then obviously Zach Levine, Lori Marketing, guys like that. Um, and then obviously um, Weldon in his in his second um, second season. Um, I expected them to be a lot better coming out of the gate, but they've come out flat. They're one and three to start the season, and they just haven't looked good um, continuously. Um, they haven't looked good. Um, so they, they really need to, um, to improve. But, yeah, that would be the one disappointing team to start out the season so far. And now for me, uh, a team that, I, that will do well, I think the, the defending uh, champion Toronto Raptors. Yeah. I mean, you think uh, after losing uh, Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard to Los Angeles Clippers, they may suffer a setback. But I do think they still have key pieces mm -hmm. to continue that run. I mean, yeah, they lost Kawhi Leonard, but I think they still have the same pieces that won in the championship. I mean, Pascal Siakam, Marcus Saul, uh, Kyle Lowry, mm -hmm. a guy that um, I always uh, uh, get scared of watching uh, when the Wizards play them, and a guy that could be a key factor Most in so. Fred Van Vliet. Mm -hmm. Fred Van Vliet is a player to watch out for. Like normally, I walk, uh, I get worried uh, when the Wizards play uh, Demar Derozan because Demar Derozan can shoot some threes and make some crucial shots. That's what I I feel about Fred VanVleet. Fred VanVleet can make like critical shots, mm -hmm. and I think that this season we're gonna hear his name a lot, and it, it it could be to the point where I could see him go to the All Star game as a reserve. It's possible. Yeah. So I think. Uh, that the Toronto Raptors are going to be able to be a team to do great. And I also think defensively um, is going to be something to watch out for. A dark horse, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. Mm -hmm. uh, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, I absolutely love their draft. Uh, now, it's going to take Cam Reddish. Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Evan Turner, uh, Chandler Parsons. And then they have the uh, the veteran Vince Carter yeah. <laughs> with Kevin Herter, uh, the Maryland guy. And they also drafted uh, Bruno Fernando. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just now it's going to take a while for the Atlanta Hawks to to get all their players to mesh together. Oh, I forgot to add uh, Alex Len and John Collins as well. 
Um, but I think once the Atlanta Hawks start getting on the momentum, they are going to be a team to be reckoned with. Also, I, they can be a playoff team. I mean, I would think like around the fifth, but they have a chance to be like top three. <clears throat> Offensively, you're going to see something very special with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, a team to be disappointed to. I know it's the easy pick, but I'm a Redskins fan, so I would know when it comes to dysfunction, the New York Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> because they have a horrible owner, James Dolan. Yes. And they tried to get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and I think... Um, DeAndre um, Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, yes. And they lost them to their in-state rival, uh, Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> and so... No, look, they have some key pieces. They did draft um, R.J. Barrett, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to do well. R.J. Barrett is going to be a player to watch out for in the Knicks, but he's going to need some key pieces. Julius Randle's a player that uh, can have hope for, but that's about it. I mean, yeah. they, they did lose uh, Chris Porzingis, who basically did not want to be there. Right. <laughs> a lot of players don't want to be in New York, but... Because of that, it's just a lot of dysfunction. Players do not want to come to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Because of big-time free agents not wanting to come to the Knicks, you're going to see them be at the bottom of the barrel. They're going to struggle defensively. Mildly, I think offensively they're going to do well, but it's not going to be enough because they don't have enough players that can make the crucial plays to win the game. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And then for the Western Conference, um, there's a lot of tough teams in the Western Conference. The Western Conference, Conference is always tough, yeah, too. It's predict. always tough. It's always tough. Um, and it definitely hasn't changed this year. Although there are some surprises um, this year in terms of who is tough. Um, I think the team, I think, um, that is going to do well this, this season, um, I'm not going to go with the typical pick, which is the Clippers. I'm going to go with the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are going to take the next step in their development. Um, I think they were very impressive last season. They could have easily found themselves in the Western Conference Finals, lost in seven games to the Blazers. But I think experience every year um, is what's going to improve this team. This team is going to keep moving forward. Um, Just look at them for the next at least seven to eight years. um, If they keep all these guys, they're looking like a really, really solid team. um, Offensively, they're, they're loaded with Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, um, Nikola Jokic, so many guys offensively. Um, they're so long and, and athletic. They have players cogged at every position. Um, look for the Nuggets to continue their impressive start to the season. And then the surprise team would be the Suns. They're 2-2. Two and two. Um, They've looked pretty good defensively. Um, they just recently held um, the Jazz to 96 points. I don't even remember the last time that the, the, the Suns have held anybody under 100 points. Um, and they beat the Clippers, which is which is pretty impressive considering the fact that they have Kawhi Leonard. The Clippers beat the Lakers um, and beat down the Warriors to start the season. So the Suns have been impressing, and that's without DeAndre Ayton, who was suspended for 25 games. So I'm pretty impressed with the Suns. Now, can they keep this up over the course of a season? That's a huge question. But to start out, they looked pretty good. Um, I was pretty impressed to see how they have improved over the course of the past two years. And then the disappointing team that I'd have to say is the Warriors. The Warriors have started out very disappointing. Um, I expected them to be a little bit better than this, um, a little bit more competitive, but it makes sense if you look at their roster. The their roster overall is is very depleted, um, um, comparatively speaking, to previous years. I mean, Kelly did tore his ACL in the championship series. That's right, and Kevin Durant is no longer on the team. Andre Iguodala is gone. Sean Livingston is retired, so four key cogs of their of their team have left. So um, a lot of change um, with the Warriors, but they've started the season off with like a lack of fight, and especially for you know opening the new stadium. I thought they would be they would fight a little bit more, um, but they haven't shown um, that fight that we typically see from the Warriors. Um, so very disappointing to start the season, um, but they have a lot of time, a lot of ground to make that up. It's very possible. And for my pick on the Western Conference, I'm going to try not to pick uh, the teams that you go for because that would be just too easy. Um, I'm going to go with – I think I'm going to go with uh, the Clippers. The Clippers are going to to do great. Now, I'd like the Lakers too, but I just think that uh, the Clippers have more uh, 
have more pieces to succeed well quickly than the Lakers do. The Lakers are going to need some time. Uh, the Clippers uh, getting uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is key. Now, Paul George uh, is uh, nursing an injury, mm -hmm. but the Clippers are doing well without him because they got guys like yeah. uh, Patrick Patterson, Ibaka yeah. Zubak, you would yeah, know that. Skip to my Lou Williams, Montrez Harold. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of key players. You know, within the first four games, their benches averaged 50 points. That is huge. Crazy. So, because they have uh, key players, they'll get Paul George back from an injury. And, like Nathan said, that their bench is scoring like 50 points. Yeah. That is key to Dude. becoming a playoff team. And the Clippers are looking to take over uh, not only Los Angeles, but in the whole NBA. Especially since in their opener, they beat their in-state rivals yeah. at home. <laughs> so they're saying, watch out, Lakers. Right. Uh, Dark Horse, I'm going to have to go with uh, Dallas Mavericks. Mm -hmm. The Dallas Mavericks, because they have they have Luka Doncic. Yes, uh, this is going to be the first season without... Um, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, he has since retired. Uh, Chris Porzingis, uh, uh, here's the key point. When healthy. Right. Okay. Chris Porzingis, they have Luka Doncic, Dwight Powell. Uh, they have Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm -hmm. I just think, like, at some point those guys are going to perform well. But if, if Chris Porzingis can stay healthy throughout the majority of the season, if he performs well along with Luka Doncic, that's going to be a team to watch out for. Oh, yeah. And if, if they can, if offensively they can get it together, I think this could be uh, a playoff team, not like in the top, but I mm -hmm. can think they could possibly make it to the eighth spot. Very possible. In okay. a very difficult conference in the West. Yeah. And then disappointing, looking at this, I'm going to have to say the Thunder. Yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder. They trade away their star uh, point guard, Russell Westbrook. For assets. And, and they are small forward, Paul George. They trade away Paul George and trade away uh, Russell Westbrook. Yep. Trust me, you don't trade away players like that and not <laughs> expect a drop-off. Right, right. Now, they did get Chris Paul back in the trade with Houston to trade away Russell Westbrook. But Chris Paul, as good as he is, he is, is getting up there in age. I think he's 34 years old. I think so, yeah. And he's on a team now that really is not doing well. I mean... They do get back uh, Andre Roberson, but he is mm -hmm. coming back from an injury where I don't think yeah, he played at all this past season. Years, yeah. And you don't know what his future is, what Oklahoma City is going to do. This looks like a rebuilding year for Oklahoma City. Yeah. And I think they're, it's not like they're going to tank. Right. Uh, they're going to try to win games. Yeah. But I just think that right now Oklahoma City is thinking to the future. Mm -hmm. And we don't know if that future may include current head coach uh, Billy Donovan. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see where that happens. I think Oklahoma City is not going to be the worst team, but they'll probably be one of, the worst, uh, yeah. one of the top five worst teams. Before we end off, who do you think is your pick for MVP? I pick for MVP. Ooh, that's tough. Um, if I had to go with one person right now, it's not that's not easy, but I would probably go. Um, uh, <laughs> I got you there, didn't I? Yeah, that, that's that's tough because this year is is very um, it's a lot more varied. There's not as as many clear cut. I don't think it'll be James Harden because he has Russell Westbrook mm -hmm. along with him. Um, it won't be Kawhi Leonard only because um, they're not going to play him that many minutes. Even though if they played him that many minutes, I think it would be him. So I'm going to go with Giannis again. I think Giannis probably is in the, in the best position to win MVP because he'll get a lot of minutes. He'll be the focal point of that offense. He's going to be given a lot of opportunities to impress. So I would go with Giannis right now. Okay. For me, I'm going to go to the West. And I'm going to have to go with... Um, James Harden. James Harden, okay. Yeah, because even though um, it's going to be, well, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, between those guys, mm. but if I have to pick one, I'm going to go James Harden because everybody knows James Harden is a ball hogger. Yes. He's going to want to take those uh, crucial shots. Yeah. And 
It's going to be difficult with uh, Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook ain't going to play second fiddle to nobody. But I think they're going to find a way to work it together because they were teammates once before. Exactly. So Russell knows what James Harden thinks. But um, I think it's going to be a close race between Russell Westbrook and James Harden. But I, I think James Harden will go MVP because I think he wants to be known as one of the best players in the NBA. Because mm-hmm. that's the mentality that Michael Jordan wants. It's true. Now, I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan's mentality is, I am the best player in the NBA. I know that, and I'm going to show you why. Right. And I think that's the mentality that James Harden is going with. So that is going to conclude Season 2, Episode 8 of the Spin Move Podcast. This is our first episode uh, with Nathan uh, in, what, a month? At least a month. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> like we mentioned before, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and you can find us on Pinecast. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would gladly appreciate it. I want to go a quick update for the World Series because that's been going on now. It's top of the fifth inning, and the game is tied 2-2. Two to two. Mm, It's getting tight. So we'll see if the Astros can put away the series or the, the Nationals can force a game seven. From Nathan and Paulo, signing off. Have a great week, everyone. Take care, guys.